Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to East Meets West here on the Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet podcasting feed. We are here. You're hearing this on a Sunday. We're recording this on a Tuesday, which we've been reliably informed by Stephen Wilson, overlord of ESSR. This is, in fact, the five-year anniversary of the first-ever podcast for ESSR. So, you know, quite interesting that we're recording this on this exact anniversary date. Yes, Nicholas, there that it's been five years. And we are here to talk about all things going on in New Japan Pro Wrestling and some of the things that have gone on, but we haven't been able to see them because they're not available in the Japan world yet. And I am joined by a man who's looking for someone to look at him the way that Zack Sabre Jr. looks at Tai Chi during backstage comments. A pleasure for us to be back here again. And yeah, you know, awaiting, awaiting Royal Quest to bloody go up for us. You know, like we know what's <laughs> happened. I was in the bloody same city when it happened and they had to put it when I was down, clashing with something else, Gero, you <laughs> arsehole. But yeah, like, we've, we? we've had a hell of a week. Well, a hell of a month with New Japan, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the last 48 hours in particular have been, you know, quite shocking. A lot of newsworthy stuff have been in the last four years, given that we're talking about this after a certain thing that happened on Monday Night Raw and uh, New Japan's Declaration of Power show, which replaces the annual uh, King of Pro Wrestling show that usually would have been around this time. But, yeah, you were in London. Uh, what were you down in London for? Just curious. I was down to watch the music from Final Fantasy, Distant Worlds Live, like live orchestra or what. So I was down celebrating something that is also very much Japanese. So I'm very <laughs> upset that they, and they also made, they also had train strikes, which made it nigh on impossible for a lot of people to get. So there were so many cheap tickets going for it as well. <laughs> I mean, I've seen the pictures from like inside the venue at the start because I was on Twitter when the show was kicking off, like night one and. They showed all the wrestlers outside the ring because Antonio Inoki uh, sadly passed away not long before. So I'll say that you got to see when the, when it was filled and there was quite a lot of people there. But you know, I think the fact that they've delayed it so much, I think you know, I think it makes it worse for you that you were so close but couldn't go because like you would have been one of the one of a handful of people in the world who did see what happened and 
you'd have a unique position on me. You're like, I know what happened. I saw the match between us, the open FTR, but you didn't get to see it. I was there. I saw it. I seen it. I seen it with my own eyes. <laughs> yeah. We those shows went down the first and second of October. We're recording this on the 11th. It's still not went up yet, and I'm pretty sure Game Kelly said, "Oh, we're, we're going to be recording our English commentary for it this week." So, I bet you by the time you're listening to this, World Quest is already bloody up, and we're going to have to talk about it a month fucking later. And I'm still not happy with it. And you know, you know, you know, you fucked up when guys in the match are going on Twitter and asking New Japan World, "Where is the match?" <laughs> I know exactly. Like you know, it would have been great to celebrate the fifth anniversary of ESSR by talking about said match, which is meant to be an absolute barnstormer. And also, yeah. you know, if we had a bit of a, a warning, Mister Wilson, maybe we could have done the special about the Great Okan to celebrate the fifth anniversary. <laughs> All hail! All hail! <laughs> no, no, no. We always say that. Well, we said it would be a Christmas special. It's going to be a Christmas special. God damn it. You people are in for a very busy December on, from the East Meets West crew. You're going to be hearing of, a lot of us. You're going to be hearing as much East Meets West on this airways as you hear Mariah Carey and just for every shop you go in through the month of December. Or Michael Bibley currently getting thawed in time for Christmas to come out of his cave. Or, you know, to keep in, in line with, uh, with old ZSJ. As much as you go into a shop and hear George Michaels, <laughs> <laughs> you know, legend has it if you play Last Christmas backwards, you hear him telling you, use the tickets, use the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, we're going to have to spoil some things about Royal Quest. Uh, well, as I said, we'll talk about it in our next episode in more in detail, but because the results of some of these matches do lead on to stuff that's going to happen, an upcoming tour, which we're going to preview at the very end of this podcast. But, uh, obviously, it's unfortunate we couldn't uh, get to talk about Royal Quest, but something that also is unfortunate, as I mentioned, as I referenced there when I saw the pictures, the passing of Antonio Inoki, uh, they had a minute, a 10-bell salute at the start of Royal Quest. They did another one at the start of Declaration of Power, where at that event they were, getting, they were hoping to have Inoki there, you know, they had him via video you know, during these big special events during the 50th anniversary year, and they were hoping he would be well enough to, to come to an event, but they couldn't make it happen, and sadly he's no longer with us. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird irony, you know, that the founder of New Japan passes away just as the company celebrates 50 years of existence. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame. Yeah, it's a total legend. He was the founder of New Japan. He did at one point almost run it into the ground. Where we have to be honest there, but he had a had a a total sort of like a massive larger than life figure, and now he will be up in heaven, slapping everyone that comes to the ring with him, including the <laughs> Queen of Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> what a tight team match! That'd be Queen of Margaret Thatcher versus Giant Baba and Antonio Inoki. Look it's it now. <laughs> it's <laughs> I gotta say, who the heck are we telling to book it now? They're up in heaven now. But yeah, it's like it seemed did seem like for everything good he did in, in wrestling, there was also some baffling shit or some shit that some people will pogles it at and say it wasn't as good. You know, he did have the whole thing where he fell out in New Japan and then formed his own promotion, telling Brock Lesnar to bring the IWGP belt with him. And through those events, that means that despite holding a belt that says IWGP on it, Kurt Angle is not recognised as an IWGP heavyweight champion officially but it did lead to that weird unification match we had in Nakamura in 2008 which is one of those weird wrestling oddities when you look up like wait 
Kurt Angle fought Shinsuke Nakamura, and and Shinsuke Nakamura had these weird short hair. I know what what an unreal time that was to be a wrestling fan, and it's just like you're like wait Angle Nakamura, nah, nah that didn't happen. They like <laughs> they like you to think it never happened. That was also, also coincided with Kurt Angle literally winning every belt that TNA had at that time. So he just had all the bloody belts. The original belt delighter was Kurt Angle. <laughs> uh, uh, if you haven't checked out, I recommend you listen to an episode that uh, William Regal did a couple of weeks ago about uh, wrestling in Japan. He talked about uh, Tony Aoki coming to WCW to wrestle uh, William Regal and Talked about how he was old, a bit older even then, and they just he said how he brought him up to his hotel room and there was all his armed security around. And Inoki basically said to Regal, the only thing he said to him for the match was, "You hit me as hard as you can, I'll hit you as hard as I can." All right then. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think Inoki got blown up a fair bit during the match because he's a bit older. And he said, "We we go home, we go home." No, we still got about six bloody minutes left, and he kind of looked disappointed and. Eventually, uh, Regal uh, lost by submission to Inoki, and he said that his son Charlie Dempsey uh, was watching the match back. Well, I assume it's he's he's got two sons, but I assume it's the one that's going on to be a wrestler that was watching it back. But he said my son was watching it. And asked him, "What did you think?" He went, "It just looks like you're being up a pensioner for about ten minutes." What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I was like, "You just you were beating up an old man, you absolute bastard." <laughs> And Regal's response like, well, that's pretty much the long and short of it. <laughs> and <laughs> so, and okay, they, hit, they played this video package at the start of Dexter's ship, where it showed all this, like, the kind of like the matches he's had, like, these matches with Bruiser Brody and Hulk Hogan, Stan Hansen, you know, all all those guys. You know, I man who won technically more G1s than anybody, if you really want to go back to the very, very, very beginning of that tournament, where he pretty much won it every single year. That's it. Just, you know, what, what better way to get yourself over? <laughs> yeah. He is the definition of, like, a, a hardcore holly got his wish in the, in the WF back in the day where they'd say, whenever he had an idea, like, what's your idea? You give me the belt. Then what? Then I beat everybody. <laughs> That's what would happen if uh, a hardcore holly got any picking power, is what, what Antonio Noki basically did for most of the early days of New Japan. Like, no, there's an old carny tradition in wrestling that promoter putting themselves over, but Antonio Noki took it to new heights. Yeah, that's it. That, that is the ultimate. That is the benchmark. No one has ever came close. Nope. <laughs> uh, Noki sadly wasn't able to attend New Japan shows before he died, but somebody who won't uh, be attending any New Japan shows, it seems like, uh, for the foreseeable future is Kushida as he's been ruled out due to illness from uh, recent New Japan shoes. He's meant to be part of Burning Spirit, especially on the last night teaming with Tamatonga against Ishimori and Jay Whitehand replaced by Jado. And they were hoping, they were advertising him for a special singles match against Ishimori at Declaration of Power because Ishimori is trying to make him jump through all his hips to earn title shot. Uh, but then eventually, then a couple of days before the show, they announced that Master Watto would be taking his place in that match. We'll talk about that match later on, but basically, uh, they've not really confirmed when he's going to be back, and 
it doesn't look like he's factored into junior heavyweight title plans going into the Dome where you'd assume he would have been uh, had he been healthy enough to go. But uh, it's kind of a it's kind of kicking the balls if you're a fan of Kishida, Trent, that uh, he's, he's come back to New Japan and gone off to this very unfortunate start. And, and like the fact that he's out with like hand, foot and mouth disease it is such a, a random thing to get. But I, me- I remember seeing like, he put up a picture recently showing his hand and I mean, it, it, it looks more wrecked than David Hockney's love life. It's that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, Dave, we love you really, but just the joke had to be made. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a weird you know, thing. I think he's, he caught it from one of his children or whatever. Like, and there's like, oh, you don't catch it young. You, you'll, there's a chance you'll get it in your your older years or whatever it was. Uh, but it is kind of sad because he came back uh, one of the last shows before the G1 to set up the stuff with Ishimori, and then obviously it wasn't on New Japan TV because everything was all about the G1 and everything. So he had to go over to Strong and do some stuff in Impact, and then he's come back and now they're going to build to it, and then now he's got this illness, but. I think if he's healthy enough, even if he's not in the uh, he's not in like the plans for the junior heavyweight tail, do you think they'll maybe if he's healthy enough to come back before the tournament, do you think they'll slot him into try and find a way to slot him into the Super J Tag League? I I think and this is this is just me like sort of throwing it out there a wee bit, but I think they might actually hold off on him and then whoever wins at the dome, I, I think he'll challenge them when we do New Year's Dash. Hmm. Yeah, that does sound likely because that, that used to be what New Year's Dash is all about, like people making challenges, having surprises. And I think a lot will have happened by then. I don't, I don't want to say people will have forgotten about him, but people, it'll be a lot more surprising because like they were so wrapped up in everything else going on with New Japan, the junior heavyweight tail, then all of a sudden like, oh yeah, Kishida, he was going to have a, a shot at it, and then he comes out and confronts whoever the champion is. I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, and especially the fact that compared to other companies, just with New Japan, when these plans kind of change and that, you never really hear anything from the backstage gossip as to what was the original plan of it. It's very much still to this day kept quiet. You never know. Yeah, I think you need to kind of just infer it yourself based on what what was happening on TV, like what was happening. You like, oh, so he was constantly in tag matches against him, so he must have been built into some sort of some sort of singles match at some point. But moving on to another title scene where we talked about FTR and, and Aussie Open, and I think it did seem kind of random at the time when it was announced that oh, it was going to be Aussie Open versus FTR and FTR's first defense of the, the IWGP tag team titles. But uh, across these recent shows in New Japan, it seems like they've been doing these special two and two matches as a way of trying to uh, set up potential favorites for the the World Tag League and future challenges, all these tag teams all having their claim to being the next challengers to FTR. Like, it, uh, you had on Burning Spirit, Great O'Kan and Jeff Cobb defeating Chief Sowens and Bad Luck Valley. You also had Dangerous Tickers versus uh, LIG team of Naito and Sonata. Then on uh, Dick we should bring you another set of tag matches where you had uh, Dangerous Tickers defeating Bad Dude and Shane Hayes and uh, Cobb and Okan also got a victory over uh, the former tag team champions Bishimon. So it does feel like they're setting up, you know, like these are the teams to watch out for in the upcoming World Tag League. Yeah, this is a, the early foreshadowing has begun. 
and it's it's these little sort of hints that people might not pick up originally, but when when you get to the world tag and you go back and you're like, oh, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, because like they were talking about the the, the three teams like Bisham and uh, Cobb and Okan and the Bullet Club team were chasing Fowler. Like the idea that well. Bishamon lost and then didn't get a rematch because they lost the because then Chase and Fowley had to defend it against the Great Night Empire who they, who won it and then they lost it to FTR so it's a case of like hey we got three teams here who never got rematches who gets first dibs and then I don't know if it, but even though I'm sure it'll be a great match when I finally see it it, it did seem out of nowhere to me like who's getting the first shot Aussie Open who already have tag belts that they're defending. I know. I think if it hadn't been in the UK, that match wasn't going to be the one that happened. I think it was big part was it down to the home crowd. I mean, despite the fact that Aussie Open were understandably from Australia originally, the UK is mm-hmm. where they've built themselves up. It's where they've made their presence known, starting all the way back to the days of Aussie Open, becoming part of Schadenfreude, and then moving on to where they are now. They are mm-hmm. well overdue. The sort of the the like the the exposition they're getting now they've been one of tag wrestling's best kept secrets for ages yeah I mean they guys have been on fire recently especially since winning those titles they won them in the final from Ewanburra uh, and Christopher Daniels they haven't really talked about the strong tag titles uh, a lot here but they had that match I think they did have a title defence in Revro as well they defended them in on New Japan Strong it's a West Coast wrecking crew they've got one I tell you, if it's coming up this Friday on uh, on Strong or the Saturday, and rather it's been moved to Saturday, where they're going to be defending them against GR Kratos and Danny Limelight. And I'm sure they'll be main evented by uh, Chris Dickens and Chams and Fred Roster for the Strong Openweight belt. But they also, uh, Aussie, Open, Aussie Open also popped up an impact recently. They had a match against Crispy and Ace Austin and then came up short in a match, a dream match, like all people would say, against the Machine Guns which is how the Machine Guns earned their tag title shot recently at Baron for Koi against uh, the OGK. So, and plus they were in the trio tournament. So it does feel like joining the United Empire was the best thing for Aussie Open coming out of the pandemic, where now they're, they're basically just fucking everywhere. Aye, that's it. Them aligning with Osprey has been a stroke of genius for, as you say, they've, they've popped up everywhere. But ironically, where's the one place they've not popped up? New Japan in Japan. <laughs> well, there are they are going to be there sooner rather than later. We'll talk about that uh, later on. But you know, Kevin Kelly also did imply that there would be a title defense from FTR potentially. He said in an upcoming show in Osaka. So you know, I'll keep my ears peeled out for what happens there. But given the fact that they've won two big matches recently, similar. Oh, if that match happens, it'll be Okan and Jeff Cobb because it only feels right it's them. But then again, I don't feel like they should lose to FTR if that is the case right before the tournament because I I believe going into it between maybe United Empire and maybe Dangerous Techers as the favourites, in my opinion. Yeah, that's it. Like, th- th- those are two teams that I don't want to see going into World Tag League with any sort of weakness being shown. Those teams deserve to look absolutely killer. And no doubt we'll have kind of G.O.D. properly kind of oh, reforming yeah. for it. Yeah, I almost uh, forgot that G.O.D. that they're still kind of teaming together, but I think it's primarily because uh, Tangolo hasn't been on New Japan TV and Tam has been so wrapped up in this stuff between him and J.Y. ever since the G1, and also before that he was challenging for the Never Bell itself, so he, 
I, I, I've just been wrapped up in his singles. I forgot how good he is as a tag team. But, you know, I think it's weird about Dangerous Tigers. They're so good as a tag team, but it does feel like recently Saxy would just try and push himself away from the tag team wrestling and go after you know, singles titles. He's had like shots against Okada this year. He tried to qualify for a shot at the US belt. But I'd like to see, because Dangerous Tigers have been in the tournament as tag champs and they've fought the winners of World Tag League before, but I'd like to see them win the tournament at least once, like even if they break up after an unsuccessful challenge at Wrestle Kingdom, like build it up as like a one last hurrah for dangerous techers. Yeah, they're they're a team that deserves to kind of have that accolade to kind of complete the tag team set that they've kind of built up. Because they are, I mean they they were like when everyone was getting fed up with G O D, who stepped up? Dangerous techers. Absolutely. Uh also, quite interesting for the World Tag League. It does feel like we're going to have... I, I wouldn't be surprised if they put them in like two separate blocks, but uh, it feels like we're having like uh, representation from two halves of TMDK because also you're going to have like Haste and Mikey Nichols and also you got Bad Dude Tito and, and Big Jonah probably in this tournament. So, you know, there'll be a lot of big lads in this tournament, a lot of big men to slap all kinds of meat <laughs> Oh yes, all the finest of meats getting slapped by the big meaty men. <laughs> but some smaller men who slap in less meaty things, I don't know how to transition there, but I'm talking about the junior heavyweight tag team title match that happened on Burning Spur on the 25th of September. It was the champions representing United Empire, Akira and TJP against the Ass Masters and their first defense is the rematch, uh, the rematch for the titles and it seems like because Watto has been, you know, under the tutelage of Tenzan, like going into this, Taguchi decided, I'm going to pretend I'm Masahiro Chono, coming out with the sunglasses and everything. Absolutely, I was like, I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> this is just, this is just getting a bit wild now. Mm-hmm. And oh, I really like this match. You know, you can't go wrong with these guys. I like Akira and TJP as a as a team. But it also did feel like the result was never in doubt, but there was some unique moves being pulled out here. Like, uh, Master Walt was like up on the shoulders of TJP while TJP was sat on the middle rope. And then Akira just comes in, hits a hurricane runner, and like, it's the kind of moves that you can, that even though the crowd aren't making many noise at this event, they, they can make noise at some events, but even when they're not allowed to, the crowd can't help when they see spots. Let's go about, oh. And all of that's like, we're going to make no, oh, no, we're not, we're not making noise when this is the wrong crowd. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. And there were some near falls, like, especially when, uh, when Wattle flew to the outside to stop TGP from breaking it, from breaking off a submission that, that Taguchi had on Nakia in the middle of the ring. I thought, like, oh shit, are they going to give it back to the S Masters? Like, you never knew where they were going to go in this match. And I really like Akira in that as a as a heel team for the junior division, especially going into World Tag League. And it always makes me laugh that they're finishing moves like the electric chair into the car is called Leaning Tower. No, that's, I, I, honestly, I love that move. It's just so crisp. And, you know, I mean, despite the fact that TJP is a bit of a wee bobag at times, <laughs> it, he's a, it, him and Akira is a good solid team. And what they've done with Akira to me is a good example of how to build someone in the junior division rather than the old-fashioned Here's someone new. We're going to put them right up to the main the main spot. It's like no, no, put them in the tag bit first. Build them. Mm-hmm. Have fun with it. Yeah, I definitely think going forward we'll see a lot more. Um, like after they 
he's to inevitably drop the belt. We'll see him having his eyes on the, the main uh, junior belt. Like I think when he goes to next year's best of super juniors, like the game performance I was I was convinced he was probably gonna have like winning a block, uh, which he didn't end up having in twenty twenty two, but I think that's the kind of performance we'll see him have maybe next year or even the year after that. Because, you know, the whole purpose of him coming in was to be like a new potential ace of the junior division for the United Empire, but yeah. I actually wouldn't mind because I've seen him and TGP teaming with uh, Hinari a lot in like six man tags. I wouldn't mind seeing those three maybe having a spell going after the the six man belts. Yeah, I think that would be because you know when we talk about the six man belts later, I'm going to make my my thoughts perfectly fucking well known on that. Well, let's talk about it now because I don't have a place for it. But yeah, I mean, I, I've still not found a chance to watch it. But a few days before the 25th, which was the finale of the Burning Spirit Tour, we had a dog collar death match. <laughs> which. Go ahead. Uh, like, uh, yeah, I'm on the website right now. A tornado dog cage survival match. Yeah, like what, they've, what they've missed out there is the word dog shit. Like, what? Like, first defence for Goto, Yoshihashi, and Yo. And fucking evil in the house of fucking torture. Fucking do it again. Again! Know who needs to go and stop them? There's only one team I can think of, one trio I think that can stop this. And everybody loves them. They are the acclaimed and daddy ass. Scissory! Oh. oh, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> That's what they should have done. Next, next Forbidden Door. You put Master Watt on Taguchi against the acclaimed, where the Ass Master can finally meet Daddy Ass. And Taguchi can get up. Well, I think he could get up in Billy Gunn's face, but Billy Gunn would probably dwarf Taguchi. He's a freakishly tall man. Uh, Ruby's like, You're not Ass Master. I am the Ass Master. I've been the Ass Master for many years. Were you the six <laughs> innings of any champion? I have been it twice. <laughs> I just want that meeting to happen so badly. I need that crossover in my life. Wait, I haven't seen it, but I've not heard like favourable reviews of that six-man tag where the House of Torture regained the tag titles because I heard you said that, and then on the English commentary, Kevin Kelly and Chris Shorten were very dismissive because I've seen a lot of matches in my life, and that was certainly a match. <laughs> that's, that's subtitles for, that was absolute shit. <laughs> I I just love like how little the shit they give. Like they just let their disdain for the House of Torture shine through. You know, it's almost approaching. You know, if they got a bit more animated to be approaching the way that Jr. used to just get so wound up about the heelish actions of Triple H back in the day. I got back, evil you son of a bitch! Oh God, I I would actually love to hear Jr. going absolutely losing his shit. Evil, he's evil, you bastard. That's why they need to do it for Rendor. Just I don't know who you put them in with, but get, have a house to torture triple threat match, and you know because JR always is quick to point. Like, hey ref, ref's not in position, ref. Like JR would have a fucking heart attack watching a house of torture six man tag. Oh, definitely, his Bell's palsy would definitely go up a step. <laughs> you just hear a thud, like, well, JR's killed over. He just tipped back in his chair. He just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> Well, evil, you've done it. You've killed potentially the greatest commentator of all time. And I bet you'd be fucking proud of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, surely thanks to Dick Togo that they've won the belts back. But you and I've already 
discuss that we already say you to blame on Dick Togo. He's clearly the man in charge of scheduling with New Japan shows, the international ones at least go up on the website, which is why it takes so fucking long. <laughs> he only just uploaded Capital Collision a couple of weeks ago. That show happened in May. That's where Juice Robinson won the US belt in the first place. Fucking Chase Owens is still a tag team champion on that show. I'm blaming everything on this, on Dick Togo. Any technical difficulties that we may have to cover up, Dick Togo. It's all Dick Togo's <laughs> fault. All down to Dick. It's always a Dick's fault. That's what we're always told in life. It's true. <laughs> yes, we've had far too much Dick in our life, from my liking, especially over the past two years. And yeah, it may not be his fault, but it's fun to say that it is. You know, it's easy to blame Dick Togo. It's fun too. So if you have anything in your life that's going wrong, that's out of your control, just blame Dick Togo. Or Stephen Wilson. Either way, a Dick's involved. <laughs> in fact, I'm sure Dick Togo, if he's on Twitter, would love to hear your complaints and the other different things that are his, that are his fault. So please feel free to let him know. Slide into his DMs if they're open. <laughs> ah. So going on to another Togo match, which has a more, lot more interesting ramifications given the last 24 hours at time recording was Carl Anderson's de- successful defense of the Never Openweight Championship against Tanahashi. It was interesting to see, you know, Carl Anderson back in these kind of big you know, singles matches in New Japan, you know, call himself Bright Lights Machine Gun and all that. Yeah, Anderson, yeah, Gallo's trying to get involved, but then Torriano comes out and chases him away after those two had a very entertaining uh, double counter earlier in the show. Uh, what were your thoughts? We'll talk. We'll talk about what happened afterwards, you know, in a bit. But what were your thoughts on the actual getting to see, you know, Carl Anderson, you know, go full belt, you know, with somebody the the caliber of Tanahashi? It was it was good to see it again. Um, look at that. You can kind of see that both men are kind of getting a wee bit long in the tooth at this point in their careers, but they still brought it out there. They put on the best match they could, and you know, it was fun. You know, I I I was worried that like you know is Anderson going to be like a another open weight like one defense wonder, but no, he proved me wrong. Yeah, you can never rule that out, especially given that he's in there with Tanahashi, and it's been a while since we've seen you know, Machine Gun in a singles match, you know, to this level. You know, we had some good spots like when uh, when he goes for the kind of aces high kind of version of the high fly flow, the catch and the gun stun was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, because they get involved constantly, and eventually he manages to hold Tanahashi's leg long enough to allow Anderson to get back up. Hit another gun stun, Anderson gets the win. But it was afterwards when Tamatonga tries to to beat down when Tamatonga tries to beat down Carl Anderson, and Jay White comes in to beat him up to help his fellow Bullet brother. Out comes Sekulio, who they mentioned earlier on during the tag match that oh, you know, all the stuff that Jay White's done, he's turned his Tamatonga's own little brother against him. And there's kind of that weird set off. You didn't know what was going to happen. And Jay White's kind of telling Takalu what to tell him to get Tamatonga. But then he just grabs Jay White by the throat. Jay White is shaking himself just as well. He was wearing black. And he gets thrown into Tama, who hits him with a gun stun. And very interestingly, afterwards, Tama poses with the, with the world title and hands the never belt to his little brother. Hmm. I wonder if any developments in the last 24 hours would indicate that potentially Hikuleo would be winning that belt. I know it's just like, hmm, I wonder who could appear on WWE. Who <laughs> who could who could have appeared? 
did Tony leave the keys in the forbidden door when he went out to go and deal with the backstage madness? <laughs> it seems he might have. <laughs> yeah, he left an early and Triple H just kind of stuck him into his back pocket. Dialed press number three and he speed dialed to the good fellas like, hey, come on, I've got the keys, come on. Because, uh, you know, I think a little challenging for a singles title and New Japan was one thing and it would be interesting to see what would happen between him and Carl Anderson and weird, you know, given he's much bigger but also you know, still fairly new to wrestling whereas Carl Anderson is a lot more experienced. But then, yeah, I, we'd heard the rumours that the Good Brothers were going to go back to the WWE and, well, yeah, well, maybe they'll have them drop the belt first. You know, hope, sadly, we maybe won't get Good Brothers in the World Tag League, as we were talking before, because it would be good to see them against, like, the Aussie Open and FTR. But then we weren't expecting to see them wake up on Tuesday morning and find out about Raw and see there was a thing where they helped AJ fend off the Judgment Day. I know, I was just like, wait, what have I woken up to? What year is this? What's happening? <laughs> uh, do you think, I mean, I doubt you'll ever come out with the belt, but do you think they'll basically let them go back so, you know, finish up with New Japan, drop the belt to Hikoyo, and then that'll be Anderson pretty much done with New Japan. I, I think they're going to let him go back and at least finish his obligations, possibly do World Tag League. Um, well, maybe World Tag League's the one bit that I think is possibly in, in jeopardy. Um, it's just such a weird position because like, if it was AEW and that, I, I would have guessed something like this happening. But as, as we kind of briefly talked about before we started recording, this was something I never saw coming. I heard the rumours, like, it was literally, what, like, 24 hours ago. Ah, the Good Brothers may be going back to WWE, and I'm like, all right, that's going to be some time. Oh, no, 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 it's happening now. Yeah, and I, I, I was shocked to even, like, I, I would hear a lot of people, like, oh, so-and-so might be interested in going back, or so-and-so's now open, now that Triple H is in charge, he's more open to a WWE return. But, like, the Good Brothers had shot, had, like fired so many shots to babies way, especially Anderson on Twitter sometimes when he, he really shouldn't have and just should have let well enough alone. Uh, but so like I feel like they were so just done with WWE in their time there that you know they'd been like given all these promises like they signed a new contract actually like less than a year, maybe even ten months before they got released and then also they just got like cast aside. So you know, you would think Triple H must have made some really big promises or offered or promised some really big things in order to convince them to come back. Because you know, girls aren't shy about talking about how much they love money, but you got to think there was a lot more than just money that Triple H offered them. Yeah, there has to be something big put on the table, perhaps like some actual decent booking opportunities rather than that fucking god awful segment. I wish I could forget with the the the, the new day. Oh God, we must never speak of that again. But yeah, this this is a this is a, a golden opportunity for both sides. Both because I mean, like the fact that New Japan World actually retweeted things like Jay White tweeting about Monday Night Raw and that is like right. This isn't just like a, a little on the, the fact that New Japan World themselves retweeted tweets involving the Good Brothers on WWE television. That's big. There must be some agreement to let Anderson finish up before he goes back because. Yeah, I agree with you. That maybe a long shot for them to let them do World Tag League because you know they brought them back, them back to TV. They want them clearly in a big uh, spot, and uh, which they must have promised them in order for them to come back. So, but then it would be weird to like, oh, Good Brothers are back, and then like the last bit of the year they're like gone for a month. 
feel like it's such a, a schedule for that that tag league tournament. So I, I doubt they'll let that happen. But you know, maybe Triple H will you know start to build that relationship that WWE and Nick can and the Vince were trying to do with like with Brian because there are all those rumors that WWE reached out in New Japan because Brian wanted to go somewhere that would let him wrestle in Japan. And that's why he ultimately chose AEW, despite the fact he's went nowhere near Japan at all. Not even appeared on New Japan Strong. <laughs> like, it's a, I'm sorry that's a less of a trick for you, Brian. So, you know, your priorities were to wrestle in Japan. What the fuck are you? <laughs> Aye, still waiting for that G1 appearance, like. <laughs> I mean, at 2021, yeah, the, the pandemic and everything, and you were, you were still fairly new to AEW at that point. When you you know you would have been able to go to Japan, but you know, come on, borders have been open for months now. Come on, you should have that. Yeah, that's it. Like, I I still think there's, I still think it's going to happen eventually. I think they were just let's face it, you're not going to have Brian, like Danielson, in a big New Japan event without there being a raucous, rowdy, loud crowd. Hmm. I mean, we were they were they did. The world reports coming out that AEW talent, you know, may have a role in the upcoming Wrestle Kingdom. So I wouldn't be shocked if, if he was one of them. You know, Jay White recently threw a challenge for that show in New York at the end of October to fight Eddie Kingston. They called Eddie Kingston out at the end of a recent New Japan Strong. So no, I wouldn't be. I would be interested to see if what happens with AEW if there's uh, like some notable talents coming over for that show. But I think we've learned now that whenever there's a report coming out right before SmackDown, right before Raw, saying so-and-so is potentially coming back to WWE, they've been in talks to WWE, like, you pretty much expect them to see them at the next possible you know, opportunity, because, you know, Cross, like, a day or so before he came back, was rumoured to be coming back, he showed up. Oh, WWE's reached out to to Hit Row to come back, you know, all the ones except Swerve, and then the very next SmackDown, who comes out to squash and jobbers? Oh, it's Hit Row. That's it. This this is like the Triple H era coming into WWE. It's 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 pretty much like when Tony came in with the AEW. Right now, mm-hmm. it feels like anything could happen at any time. It is getting fucking wild. The only thing that the only thing the person missing in this whole wrestling world right now that could really make things even more wild is if Kota Ibushi fucking appears out of nowhere. Oh well, <clears throat> I think I think we can tell this year more than anything else. You know, as a certain person who was, you know, forced to retire in a bit of disgrace would say, anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> it does. You know, it's like with Triple H, you know, so many of these people that have been brought back are seeming like kind of, you could be as great as, as Triple H guys. It's like when you see a lot of these collectors online who, they had all this stuff when they were a kid, but sold it or lost it or was given away, and they start collecting because they're trying to reclaim or, like, try to purchase all the old stuff that they remembered collecting when they were kids. That's what Triple H is like. You know, he's had a near-death experience. He's come back. All his, all his favourite toys have been given away by cruel Papa Vince McMahon, and now he's a adult collector. He is, he is to resigning people what Buddy Mark Cardone and Brian Myers are to toy collecting. He's he's doing Thanos in the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, you I think they would make some big promises to the Good Brothers. You know. I it's been a it's been a few years, so I wouldn't mind seeing them against the Usos, and you know I wouldn't be surprised if maybe you take AJ, the Good Brothers, and a couple other faces like say True and someone else, and that's your five to go up against the the Bloodline at the upcoming War Games match. 
Aye, that's it. There's so many wild, wild possibilities right now. Mm. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know. I need I need George Michael to tell me. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping we get to see maybe not full on machine gun and good brothers will swear and every other word we see in Japan, but at least see more a middle ground between that and whatever shit they were doing and with their promos in WWE before. Because I want to see them make some jokes about but they're in this feed with the Judgment Day at the minute. I want to see Carl Anderson making some jokes about Dominic and his relationship with Rhea Ripley. <laughs> now that could be interesting. <laughs> oh. oh, yes. But uh, let's move on to the main event of Burning Spirit, uh, which was the IWGP US Championship being defended by Will Ospreay against David Finlay. Uh, one, of my, one of the moments that just, you know, there are a few moments that just made me like all of it just laugh out loud in wrestling. But Will Osprey just picking up, not just a chair or anything like that or any other kind of weapon, he picked up the timekeeper's table and just launched it at David Finley's head. And some in the bed that just made me laugh, just the, just, oh, fuck you. <laughs> Who throws a table, honestly? Oh, yeah, the, like, the, the animosity leading into this one was huge. Like, the, right, right down to, like, the table, the chair being thrown, all sorts of fun shit. I loved this. Yeah, I mean, they, it wasn't an ODK match, but they didn't fucking care because they had the table spot, they had the two tables. David Finley does the spot onto the tables. The tables don't barely break it all. Like, one little bit of one of the tables chips off, but Willisby just lands on the table, just they stay where they are. And so he just fucking like, fuck it, picks him up again, just slams him. <laughs> the table's like, one way or another, you're going through these fucking tables. And you know, I think that the first one was worse because those tables, if they don't break, there's zero fucking give to them. That's it, there is absolutely nothing but severe punishment. It is awful. It's just like, ow, you bastard. <laughs> ow, you bastard, indeed. 28 minutes, 22 seconds, that's got, that's got a lot of time to see for the US title being such like a, a main event spot uh, near falls with the, the stunner and everything you know, from and the quick roll-ups from David Finlay, Osprey going for the Oscar and I think he eventually hits the head and blade, he gets a right to the face which still looks brutal, especially when you remember what happened when Sonata took that move, but Osprey comes out on top as the US champion to be expected and apparently, it shows how much of a mess the US title's been this year. This means that well, Osprey, when he retained the title over Orange Cassidy, he became the he became the first person to hold that US belt this year to have a successful defense. So now, so now he's had his second successful defense. He just looks like buddy, feels like buddy Bruno back in the seventies by comparison to the other US champions this year because. If you remember, like the start of the year, who was it? it was Kenta, Osei Tanahashi, no, Osei Sanada, who Sanada then got injured before he could defend it. So Tanahashi won it again. He lost it to just Robinson in a four-way, who then reluctantly vacated it and was won by Osprey. I, I like to say that like Juice didn't vacate the title, but he lost it to what was it, appendicitis? Yes, appendicitis will your appendicitis won't put you over no matter what. <laughs> but it will take your title. <laughs> it will take your title, and and afterwards is one of my favourite things I've seen in a while, where Naito comes out to to make a challenge to Will Osprey. 
But then all you hear is, aye, aye. Out comes bloody Zack Sabre Jr. Man doesn't need a microphone. And he's like, yeah, 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 Naito, dickhead. You might have beat me in the G1. And you think you've got a claim to him because you beat him in the semi-finals. But I beat this dickhead way back in the New Japan Cup. So if anyone's getting a title shot, it's me. And then they just start having an argument between the two of them. And they decide on a number one contender match. And they just walk up the ramp arguing with each other like a an old married couple. And you sleep while Osprey in the ring, just look at the other members of the United Empire, like, what the fuck was that? The fuck just happened? <laughs> what the fuck was that? So, that then led to a match, with spoilers, at Royal Quest, I believe it was the main event at night two, where Naito defeats ZSJ to become the number one contender for the United States Championship. That'll happen in November, that match. But poor ZSJ, he can't catch a break. It does seem like whenever they go to the UK, they do kind of screw over ZSJ because you know he lost here. I'm pretty sure when he got that match, we he had a match with Tanashi in 2019 last time they were over there, and he lost his bloody British belt. I mean, he won it straight back, but still, the British champion yeah. lost the British belt in Britain. I think his only like big major, if I remember correctly, his big major high profile win involving New Japan was when they done like the Strong Style Evolve shows. I think it was 2017. And that he beat Okada during that. That's like his one big one. Yeah, because like, other than that, he does not get the home the home ground advantage. because uh, like him and with him and Suzuki versus Ishii and Okada in the first night, and then they had singles matches the second night. Uh, that was like during twenty eighteen, where he came off the New Japan Cup win, where it just seemed like he was kind of on. He was just winning. Well, not everything, but he was winning a lot in New Japan. Was Zack Sabre Jr. You know, he was still Zack three belts. I think remember that time. It's just absolutely like it's wild. ZSJ like has got one of the most wild records I think in all of New Japan because he puts on consistent bangers. He has a lot of big wins, but he also loses a lot as well. <laughs> I think I think he's one of these people who's more entertaining when he loses than when he wins. To be honest with you, just because of what he says in his backstage comments. That's it. You can tell when George Michael is no longer with him. <laughs> Let's go on a declaration of power where we had uh, we had Ren Narita making his return to Japan to team with Robbie Eagles and David Finley. A success win over El Desperado, Kanemaru and Doki. There was no Doki Choki to be found. No Doki Choki re- at all. <laughs> they're really hyping up some big things for Ren Narita calling on the son of Strongsdale. He got in and making him basically said it was just the beginning for him. We had some tag matches that I've already mentioned, but we did see the House of Bob Eggs losing a non-title six-man tag to Tanahashi, Hikaleo, and Taguchi. Again, but there are so many odd combinations that you find in going after the six-man tag chance, but, you know, they're under the tutelage of, you know, of the coach, Taguchi, so if he, if his pal's going after Junior Bell, he's basically went, okay, I'll find some big lads and I'll get those six-man belts. I still can't get my, get my head around the fact that like, you had a team of Taguchi, Hikuleo, and Tanahashi. It's just, it's just wild. Like between between that and as you say, Ren Narita, son of Strongstyle, where if I take off my glasses, I can't tell. Is that Shibata? Oh no! Wait, let me put my glasses on. No, it's Ren Narita. <laughs> Basically, we're like, need like someone. We're just looking like someone needs to get on to Jeremy Kyle or something. Somebody needs to take a DNA test to see if he's actually his son. 
That's a, <laughs> the next big event on New Japan World. Like, Shibata, are you the father? And then he just headbutts someone. There's your answer. <laughs> Get Mori, and he just leans in, you are the father. Heatbutt. <laughs> I mean, he'll fuck himself up more, but still, it'll be worth it for him. That'll be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, who knows what's going to happen there. Hopefully we'll get a confirmation of a six-man tag title match very soon. And then very interestingly, out before the midway point of the show, before the break, we had Bushi, Tana, Bushi, Hiromu, Sanada, Naito against Osprey, Hanari, TGP and Francisco Akira. And then all of a sudden some mystery, the masked man started creeping around the outside and helped uh, get involved behind the rest back allowing Bushi to hit the MX on Francisco Akira so not only is it shocking that somebody came in to interfere to help uh, LIG but it was Bushi in an LIG tag match actually got the win for once rather than taking one so thanks to the masked man's help Bushi pinned one half of the junior heavyweight tag team champions which during the match the English commentator was hyping up the fact that you know, you know, one thing Hiromu's not done is win the junior tag team, so maybe he'll want to do that with Bushi, maybe they'll want to be in the Super Junior Tag League. Then the person took off his mask, and it was Titan, who I almost forgot, oh, hi, because I remember he was in the, <laughs> the Super Juniors, and I remember, oh, yeah, he had some great matches, but he's got a new mask. It's black, got a bit of red, which means, you know, because they are GMAB technically heels, but we love them, so it's got to have a black mask. And so he starts speaking in Spanish, to a Japanese audience. So I'm sure they were uh, as oblivious to what the fuck he was saying as I was. Uh, but basically he's saying was, I want to join LIG as LIG all take a huddle. I was like, what the fuck is this guy? Like, is he part of our crew now? I know, you know, we must specify, we have to say masked man because we're not allowed to say man and mask because he is a delectable little petty poire. <laughs> we're a centric Englishman, I can say whatever I want. <laughs> Naito, what's yeah. Naito? What's what's Japanese for? You little mouse, man! You ooh, scrummy, scrummy, scrummy. As <laughs> <laughs> like Titan joining was kind of like a, it feels almost random, but then you they taking again like Lij Los and Boys was technically a, a a whole thing from Mexican wrestling where Naito learned tranquilo. So it does kind of come back full circle, and it's a very clever move. Plus Titan. Every single best of super juniors where they have the CMLL guys over. He is fucking brilliant to watch. Yes, uh, I remember being really impressed with him uh, during the super juniors. So getting to see him more full time, I'm not against it. You know, but I've thought maybe they need a new member of LIG because, you know, they're one of the few factions that doesn't actively recruit anybody. So it's weird to see someone idly say, like, I want to be part of your group. And they kind of did the fist bump and kind of welcomed them into the group. Uh, which makes him quite as full circle as you say, because CMLL, that's where Naito went when nobody liked him. And he joined this Mexican group, did the offshoot of it in Japan, and now the Mexican wrestlers joined the Japanese version. And as they said on commentary, Titan is officially, you know, they've been around since 2015, but this is the first time a non-Japanese person has joined LIJ. I know, it's actually quite a big, a big landmark moment, really. Mm-hmm. It's... It's something special. I, I'm looking forward to seeing because this kind of brings, to me, it's bringing LIJ back up to like they've got a full contingent for it. You could technically say they've got a heavyweight tag team, a junior heavyweight tag team, a singles heavyweight 
and a junior like singles heavyweight, they have the full package. They have all avenues covered. Yeah, I think because they also said this. I know about LIG history because in that same building, Chris Jones said that Evil was revealed as the first member, and then it was in 2016 where Sonata would make his debut in that venue to help Naito win the IWGP World Title from from Okada back in 2016. So, you know, big moments for LIG soon to happen in that venue. And there was a wee bit of a moment between Bushi and Hiromu kind of looking at you like. Basically, it seems like Hiromu was kind of realizing, like, what are you going to team with him now? So, basically, it looks like Hiromu, like, like you said, is going to be the junior heavyweight singles guy. And he's going to have to put his any ambitions on being a junior tag champion on hold. Because it does look like Titan and Bushi are going to be the tag team going forward. So, I think that does make them favourites now for the Super J Tag League, which I wouldn't be against because I think it's about time Bushi got used to. I know, it's just... It's it's a, it's, a, it's a nice little shake-up, as you say. It's been well overdue, that whole thing happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think he actually briefly held the tag belts with Takagi when Takagi was briefly a junior heavy when he first came in. Uh, he said that for uh, like a couple of months. Then he was he was a junior heavyweight champion for like a cup of coffee. And that was about it. Because I joked about it earlier on, but he does seem to be the guy now like, it's a LIG tag match and Bushy's involved. Who's taking a loss here? <laughs> it's okay. I have you covered. <laughs> that's, that's, but be careful when you call them, because, you know, we might want to call them men, men in the masks. But if, if William Eagle ever gets wind of it, oh, it'll be a harder than a stick of Black Bull Rock. Ugh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Let's actually talk about this because it's the first thing that happened after the break. We got the announcement of something we definitely didn't have enough of in New Japan Pro Wrestling. A new championship. The and it NG- looks like one of my grand's dinner trays. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's an interesting choice of, of belt. Uh, it's the NGPW World Television Championship. It's this massive play with a big NJPW World kind of logo in the middle of it. Got kind of a play button in the New Japan kind of line, like King of Sports logo on the side plates. And the le- what would you describe the leather as? Because in some photos it looks burn, and in other photos it looks orange. I don't know what this is. So, I, I wish I'd saved the tweet because there was actually a tweet that perfectly summed up apparently what they're aiming for. And the, the look that they're aiming for, and it makes sense now, is do you ever remember watching lots of like old um like shows like American sitcoms and that and the way the TVs used to look? And it was always that kind of wooden yeah. box TV. That's the look they're going for. Like the the plate is essentially the screen. And that kind of finish on the belt is meant to represent like that wooden frame. So I was like, ah, that actually makes sense. It does look like a massive TV. I was gonna say, I remember looking at the photos for a bit longer, I thought, Jesus, that belt, which is massive by the way. If it was any bigger, someone would have to put it on that weird tray and roll it into the ring like when they used to wheel the television in during school. It's raining outside, so everyone's going to have to come inside Corrigan Hall and we're going to have a TV title match. Wheel it in. Yay! <laughs> I have to admit, then, as much as it's like another title, but at the same time, I like the rules behind the title and I like the plan for it. So I'm willing to give it a chance. Yeah, like apparently it's 15 minute time limits 
for every match, and which means also things won't drag, which is always good. And they're aiming for younger talent to maybe have a go at uh, winning this belt, and they're hoping and all matches will be free on New Japan social media channels. So they're kind of trying to build some younger guys and maybe some guys who are coming in internationally when you look at the tournament bracket they announced and create some new fans. So it does feel like they're doing with that what uh, what kind of Impact Wrestler are almost doing with their digital media championship at the minute when those matches are usually like digital media exclusives on their on their YouTube channel. So it's quite interesting, but it's fucking huge. Fun fact, I just double checked because we were talking about this beforehand. There can't be a draw. If it goes the distance, decisions will be made via coin toss. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, how pissed off would you be if you if you were a defending champion? How do you lose your title? Coin toss. Heads. <laughs> I, they say tails never fails. It failed me that night. Like, who's going to be the referee for these matches? Fucking Harvey Dent. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Like, uh, I, I think occasionally they should mix it up with instead of a coin toss it goes to a best of three rock paper scissors <laughs> One, sorry, ah, I lost it again stop going for scissors you'd have won the title by now if you stopped relying on scissors well then that's what the acclaimed would do <laughs> way <laughs> oh god damn let me talk to you about this tournament We'll be talking about this tour backup, which does start this coming Friday uh, on the new Autumn Attack Tour. We have the first two matches will be David Finlay versus Yoshinobu Karamaru, so clearly there's no weight limit on this, which I'll feel bad for any juniors having to hold this because it's going to look fucking massive on them, whereas when you get a heavyweight holding it like a Jeff Cobb, it's going to be like when Buddy Big Show was holding the, the ECW title. Wait, so the winner of that will face the winner of Alex Zane versus Zach Sabre Jr., some of the other matches in the first round include Yoshiashi versus Jeff Cobb, Aaron Hanari versus Evil, Sonada versus Taichi, Goto versus Kenta, Narita versus Ishii, and Toriano versus the Great Okan. All hail. <laughs> All hail. So they say that the semi-finals will go down on the 5th of November, which is the end of the Yom Attack Tour. Uh, that will, And then the final two after those two matches will meet at Wrestle Kingdom on January the 4th where the first ever TV champion will be crowned. Oh. Early, early <laughs> predictions there for you? Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, they say they're focusing on younger talent and that. They've got a good mix of people in. Oh, this is, this is really hard for me to decide. Like, the heart wants Great O'Can. All hail. All hail. But, but I honestly think we could see a a Ren Narita win for that tournament. I was going to say, it's he's not my, evil. Yeah, I think we're not evil, but uh, well, I'd say he's my outside bet is, is Ren Narita. My other options, you know, I'm just praying for Sanada to win fucking anything because, like, look at all the titles we've got now and still Sanada can't win a singles title or get a decent reign with a singles title. You know, because I'm just going to pretend that US reign didn't happen because he didn't fucking defend it. So, come on, Sanada, win fucking something. Uh, get, get to Sonada because we know how much I love Sonada. Sonada is my boy, and yeah, I th- it's I just say, wild. I see Sonada Renneri is an outside pick. My other two options, I'd like to see Kenta win a belt again, or given he's he's come so close recently to winning other titles, what about David Finlay going all the way? Oh, that would be a good, 
that that would actually be a corker a shout as well. Like this, this is the perfect opportunity for. We've got a few fair, fair few people in there that have not really had good like sort of like singles title runs or not had them at all. Looking at you, Zach Sabres Junior. <laughs> well, obviously Zach Sabres Junior had a lot of runs with like the the Rev Pro belt, but like when it comes to like, oh God, why did they put so many of my favourites in the one fucking tournament? To fuck with you. That's why they they do that. They announce things after we record. Or they release shows after we record. We we give them the publicity on this podcast, and yet they don't treat us with any respect. It's just not fair. Damn it. Life sucks, and then you die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we got the. I know it's one night, but Jesus, this Wrestle Kingdom card's already looking crazy. When you think of all the titles they're gonna have. The trying fit on this fucking show. I think we're going back to like a six-hour Wrestle Kingdom, but it's going to have every fucking title on there. <laughs> I think you're you're quite right there, but now we need to talk about a question that was answered after months of speculation. Who is whose daddy? And we found out that Shingo is ELP's daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, this match. A wild stipulation aside, it was a fucking banger. You had Shingo, you had Shingo wearing an ELP style shirt saying Shingo is daddy, and ELP wearing a Shingo style shirt saying ELP is daddy. And like you said, it was a pretty normal match. You had some good stuff between these two. ELP and his mints on the outside. He's setting these variations of the the CR two, the CR three, and then, but hey, Shingo decides to do a version of it. Which he just sits on, he goes to his knees and pretty much just tries to drop uh, ELP right on his fucking head. Actually, you know what? He might not be able to say that, that I'm his daddy because I'm about to kill him, but if he dies, he dies. <laughs> but you wear uniquely one with the kind of grounded Cobra twist move, and then you kind of see the, the realization come over ELP where he realizes what he's got to do. He's got to live up to the stipulation, and he tries to very quietly go in the camera make fun. Shingo is my daddy. Sorry, what? 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 Shingo is daddy. And then he <laughs> makes him sit sit down, gives him a pacifier or a dummy, uh, and t- he doesn't take a photo. And then he goes, and then he'll be Santa goes, could I have a hug? Oh, and all the commentary, what a nice father and son hug. And then he just punches him in the balls. I know. And it's not even like, it's not the usual traditional wrestling style like low blow, which is always the kind of comical uppercut, but you can clearly tell they're catching just with the forearm and not doing it that much. No, it is a straight out punch to the dick. And at the end of the day, isn't that a, a, a quite great symbolism for parenthood? You try and do your best for your kids, but in the end, they will always punch you in the dick. They always will. Little bastards. Gotta be careful. Wear a cup. You know, Okada's got that to look forward to in 20 years. He's still going to be become himself in the main event of the Tokyo Dome. But then his son will come along and say, no more, father, and punch him right in the dick. <laughs> oh. Okada's going to be the type of dad that doesn't give his kid any mercy at all. That kid is going to have a tough time. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But then we had Wato versus uh, Ishimori and a match basically to... This is a championship contender style match where Ishimori, for what I was trying to earn a title shot. Ishimori is pretty dominant for most of this. Both men were sharing submissions. 
I don't even know what to describe some of these weird moves that like, Watto kind of pulls out. But he was carrying everything that Ishimori had, and then again, I don't even know what to describe. But we see Demente. Uh, like I know that we, I can't remember what you describe as, but it's called we see Demente. They does, but now he pulled out a second version, which has been created on the website as we see Demente Part Two, or just we see Demente Two. And he got the upset when the commentators were shocked about it. He got in the microphone to stimulate a challenge Ishimori. But then, then Hadomu gets involved, and then Desperado gets involved, and then Ishimori has to be like, buddy, Oprah, you get a title shot. You get a title shot. Everyone gets a title shot. And a total throwback to that time years ago when, like, Hiromu came out and he had to wear, like, full protective gear. Yeah, I think they've said, we'll go back to that, and happy we'll remember this four-way, because we can't talk about the last four-way, because I had a wrong in in it. <laughs> Uh, wild times, let's, absolutely wild. Let, let's just hope that none of these guys get cancelled in the next five to ten years. God, I hope not. Because like, really, I, I'm looking forward to another fantastic four-way at Wrestle Kingdom because the juniors do have a habit of pulling out absolute bangers at it and it makes the, the heavyweights go, shit. <laughs> and like, I know Omega said that Osprey did the, the spot off the, off like, kind of the part of the set in the four-way at that last Wrestle Kingdom, he said that he had a spot planned for the for, like that for his match with Jericho and kind of looked at him and was like, shit, now we need to write a new spot. Now you think of something else. And, you know, if you don't know if you, I recommend you look up the graphic for this four-way for, for Wrestle Kingdom because it looked like, the way they put it is they got Ishimori, then the big Wrestle Kingdom logo, then the other three on the opposite end of the, the graphic. So it does look like if you didn't know any better, like they were advertising a three-on-one handicap match for the junior title, which would be an interesting <laughs> thing to try and do. But you know, so it'll be interesting four-way. You know, I, I, I have no idea actually who's even going to win this. I wouldn't have even consider Watto, but then he got this win here. So you know, anything can happen in a, a junior heavyweight four-way. Right, that's it. This is the thing with the four B. I think this is what they're they're trying to avoid the predictable. Oh, this is going to be an easy match to determine. Nope, four B wild guess. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we had a couple of matches that were fairly predictable in what the outcome was going to be, but they were still enjoyable nonetheless. We had Okada not defending his uh, G one briefcase opportunity against Jonah, but Jonah insisted he was going to insert himself into the main event anyway. If he did win, it would be a three-way dance, which it was hard for you people like, ah, they won't even do that when it's ah, they won't do that when it's Okada, Osprey and Shingo, but they were not going to do it for you, Jonah. I'm sorry, pal. But I think they, it does seem like Okada you know, is trying to be the next Inoki and everything, and so basically they turned Jonah into basically a combination of Vader and Stan Hansen because he absolutely batters Okada. He hits a Razor's head still move into the bloody ring post for God's sake and he's hitting power bombs, he's just going after Okada's back at one point. But Okada, as much as I was kinda of draining it, going into it thinking, huh, he said, Oh, he's trying to slam him, but he can. Oh, I bet he'll have the Hogan S move and he'll slam him. But even I popped when he hit him with the landslide. Oh, that's good. It was honestly Okada and Jonah. Fantastic matches to watch. These two know how to go in. Plus, this was like Jonah's first pinfall loss in New Japan. How fucking wild is that? Uh, it's it's interesting because it, as much as we joke about, uh, as much as we complain about him like winning all the time, 
it does feel like the last couple of years they've been using Okada to kind of put over and help get over the to help get over the new like monsters in New Japan. They did it with Jeff Cobb last year where yeah, Okada beat him and then he came back so they were one and one and then that went over Okada gave Cobb this momentum through the G one where he almost went undefeated until he ran into Okada and then they had the so that then set up Cobb to go off in his tag team run and now they're one and one. They tease that afterwards so then maybe well if Okada wins the title at wrestling, maybe New York Dash Jonah went, hey, we're one and one here. You may have defended the the opportunity to go to the, to the dome against me, but you're fucking putting that title on the line against me. I know. I'm still I'm still raging about the fact that they, they did not do the whole defend the briefcase. It's like, no, no, I won the G1. I'm getting into Wrestle Kingdom. It's like, I beg your fucking pardon. What makes you so fucking special you get to go and bypass that prick? I know who also, do you know who else was shocked and annoyed that okay I didn't put his title job on the line that was Jay White because if you watch his back Dave comes you're like you know what he wants to prance around with a new belt and then say oh sorry I'd, I'm not, I don't want to defend my title Okada gets everything he wants and you're gallant Okada what do you think your hero Antonio Naki would think of you he'd be ashamed of you <laughs> basically uh-huh. like they say they're, like, they're dedicating like Wrestle Kingdom 17 to the memory of Antonio Inoki and now Okada has been going out in Inoki style roles trying to be that new kind of you know, leader in New Japan being that kind of Inoki style figure and basically it's like oh, Inoki would fucking hate you because you're a coward who doesn't want to defend the title shot at the dome and I still, I still, th- I still think he summed it up perfectly with that picture that I shared in the group chat earlier today that Jay White posted on Twitter at the press conference just him firing the middle digit right at Okada. <laughs> Summing up the fan, uh, point opinions of quite a few fans around the world, but you know, not, not, not to take away from this match, 31 minutes this went, him versus uh, Tama Tonga. I did feel like Tama was on the, the defence for most of the match, but he did have a few strong moments during the match, and you know, G.Y. did try and cheat with the foot on the rope like he did when he beat Ibushi for his title shot. See, Ibushi would defend the title. Uh, they try to use a chair, but that backfired after the referee got knocked down and uh, Tama had a low blow onto, onto Jay White. There was a reference to other members of Bullet Club with the Bloody Sunday getting involved. Jado and Gado were getting, getting into it on the outside. The referee was just too slow after the bloody... after the, the guns done to count the three, but they did get the fans really on the edge of their seat. But I really do love the finish. Tama goes for a springboard version of the, of the guns done. Jay White catches him, turns that into the Blade Runner. Fucking sensational. Aye, honest to God. I'm, I've, I've been behind Jay White since ever since like he came back from being a young lion and debuted as a switchblade. This man is big things for wrestling. And I hope he retains at the, at the Dome. Because mm. he puts on such great performances. Character works on point. Knows how to tell a story. Knows how to be a total shite bag heel. Knows how to be a cunning heel. <laughs> knows the full package. All about him. Yeah, it does, though, fill me with a bit of dread, though, going into that match. That is it all? Okada is basically trying to honour Antonio Inoki on a show that's been dedicated to the late Inoki. Like, I just remember hearing that thinking, he's fucked. <laughs> I mean, I still hold it hope because I love Jay White. I've loved him for a long time. Like, I remember watching, by, like, getting to properly see him. Like, I'd seen some of his matches when he was on experience in a regular order, but then properly seen him when he came back for his matches with Tanahashi and Omega in the first few months of his return. And I was kind of into him 
saw a lot of people hating on him, but you know, like you, I've been a fan of his for a long time. So I want to see him stand tall at the end of WrestleMania because his post-match promos and his post-match comments are some of my favourites. Him and DFC are the two top guys I enjoy hearing from after matches because you had Jay. You know, Jay does his whole to Jay show sometimes after his matches, but he did these comments after he won the title where like, say, he shot on Okada for not defending the belt. But also he was like, he was like surprised. He was handing a beer to one of the young lions who was passed the one to Gato. He was like, my God, get out. For once, the beer's cold. And then he talked about how it was his birthday the day before. It was his 30th birthday the day before that title defense. Like, I spent my 30th birthday on a fucking pint. And they're like, Jesus, this man's just turned fucking 30. And look at him, he's on top of his game. And so much, so, so much his gear politics still to go. <laughs> oh, God. What, what, a t- what a time to be alive. I mean, remember when Jay gave us one of the best promos ever backstage? Where it looked like he was just ready to like call it quits. Then he disappeared for like a whole fucking month. That was amazing. Ah, oh, they had everybody's big. I was like, oh, he's going to show up in the room. He's going to show up in the room. I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, he did. That was the 2020 rumble, wasn't it? Or was it 2021? Uh, was it 2020 or was it? No, 2021, yeah, because it was him in a because yeah, 2020 would have been when they did the initial double gold dash so it been the following year yeah. I mean it's just as well because that was bloody Thunderdome that was a Thunderdome rumble and you know, as good as it ended up being like if Jay White ever does go to WWE I want him to be in the biggest arena fucking possible Aye, that's it you want, you want it to, to be huge mm. but uh Going up for the next tour, we've got a lot to look forward to across Automatic. We're going to have the, the TV title tournament with the semi-finals going down on November the 5th. And also on that, that same show, we're going to have Osprey versus Naito for the US title, Anderson versus Hikaleo for the Never title. The four men in the uh, junior heavyweight uh, four way out. I remember seeing a picture of those four and the the Automatic uh, logo. So I, I assumed the four was happening there, not Wrestle Kingdom. I was still proven wrong, apparently, at the Automatic show. It's basically it's going to be a four-way tag with each of them choosing their own partners, but I think we all know who they're going to pick because they've all got established partners that they've fought for junior tag titles with before. But uh, also, Aussie Open, they haven't had any opponents, but it said that on actual Aussie Open are going to make their New Japan debut. I'm so excited for that because we, like they have been everywhere, but it doesn't say who they're going to face yet. Hmm. It'd be very interesting. I mean, you got to think they have to be in bloody World Tag League. Aye, that's they have to be in World Tag League, and you know, looking at it, I'm like, who's going to be their kind of their their first test in Japan itself? Mm. I'm personally hoping for Takers. Oh, that or them versus like any combination of TMDK. Aye. Give me give me one of those, because that is just good. That is just screaming money. Them versus Nicholas and Haste, basically the battle for the heart of Australia. <laughs> there can only be one number one Australian tag team. I that's it. And to me, that is Aussie Open. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming Hikaleo is going to win that never title from Carl Anderson, but. 
I'm trying to think. You thought I'd defend it on the Tokyo Dome, and I got this weird sense of dread in me. I thought, who's going to come out and challenge Sikaleo for that belt? It's got to be somebody maybe for Bullet Club trying to get some revenge. And I got this sense of dread. I was like, it's going to be fucking evil, isn't it? Evil's going to come out because he never got his rematch with the Never Take. He was going to challenge Sikaleo for it. But like, on, the, on the other end, if I get to see Sikaleo just batter, you know... <laughs> Batter evil and just deliver massive joke slams to all three members of the House of Torture. It's, well, actually, all four of them get Dick Togo as well, throw him in the front row. Aye, uh, that's it's going to be like, I'm like, if Hikuleo is going to absolutely demolish someone like evil, I'll accept it only on the purpose that he is going to destroy him. Mm. I mean, and, and, and another couple of options spring to mind, um, just because open weight, I wouldn't mind seeing ELP take a wee shot. Mm. Mm-hmm. What do we think about talking about EOP that because he was challenging for the for the KOPW title? I think it's basically the, to say at this point, Shingo's going to hold that belt, that trophy to the end. He is officially the KOPW, the King of Pro Wrestling for 2022, which, in my opinion, he's been the true King of Pro Wrestling for the last three years, given how great he's been in New Japan. But uh, do you think they'll try and move Shingo? Uh, match further at the Cardinals game or do you think he'll come back to reclaim the crown as part of the New Japan Ramble because I have seen some people who do think that the KOBW thing is kind of beneath Shingo at this point I, th- I think you know Shingo's done something with it this year he's tried to put a bit of you could say legitimacy behind it because you know mm-hmm. it's not it's not the usual Yano shenanigans but I honestly I'm agreeing Shingo is way above that I mean come on the man was a world title holder and yeah, this, done this so time, much for the company. I know, this time last year going to Wrestle Kingdom, he was the defending IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, he teased something for him because he's like confident that he's going to be KOPW Champion for 2022. Like, I don't need to prove anything. I'm already the king for the, for the year. So he goes after someone else's belt. Like, you know, give me Shingo v Hikaleo. You know, Hikaleo, I haven't always been the biggest fan of his matches, but Shingo can't have a bad match. Even if he, even if people like Evil try and make him have one, like Jingo, Jingo will do something with you. That's it. It's like, I mean, the, the great thing that this has shown with Jingo is, doesn't matter where they put him, he will give a hundred percent to it. Like mm-hmm. he will really go for it. The man is an MVP ever since he debuted all those years ago in the juniors, working his way up to the heavyweight. He's just been one of the best things to happen in Japan in the last several years. Like well in New Japan, not that it wasn't big before it because it was massive before it as well, but just absolute fucking incredible. I I, I totally agree with you, but I like the fact that there's so much excitement and so many, many possibilities uh, coming out of this. So we already know for Risk Kingdom that we're gonna have, probably have that New Japan Rambo. We're gonna have the finals of the two Tour. We're gonna have Jay White versus Okada in the main event, and we're gonna have a four way match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. So it's good to see some of them. Good to see some big matches confirmed already uh, for the Dome. And we're going to have some very busy but very exciting months ahead of us. In our next episode in early November, you'll hear us talking about everything that happened during Autumn Attack, especially with these title matches. We're going to talk about the Royal... We're going to talk about everything. We're going to talk about all of Royal Quest and a bit more detail on that great match with FTR and Aussie Open when it's finally on New Japan World. And hopefully, if we time it right, the participants for Super J Tag League and World Tag League will have been announced. We're going to break that down as well. And we're prepared for it. It's probably going to be a three-show December with everything we have planned. 
but uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it, Grant. I cannot wait for December because we've got tournaments to talk about, Wrestle Kingdom to talk about, and all hail Great O'Can. Ah, yes, the Great O'Can. I can't wait for that. <laughs> but thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of East Meets West. Please be sure to check out this and all the other episodes of East Meets West and other ESSR podcasts that we've got in our back catalogue. Over five years worth, almost near 600 podcasts worth, I believe we are up to at this stage. We'll make sure to check all that out. You hear this every so often, on usually on a Sunday. We hear our ESR feature shows every single Tuesday. Recently, we had the return of Book It. The week before that, Mika and Chris Lopez looked at the career of Gunther slash Walter ahead of his recent IC title defense against Sheamus. We have next week, we're going to have a, a show called It's Still Real to Me, which is going to be a every so often series that we do looking at, you know, looking at an installment of a wrestling documentary. And it's going to be me, Andy Mitchell, Chris Murray, and Guy Kernan talking about CM Punk's 2012 Best in the World documentary. There's nothing really as big as happened about CM Punk in the last couple of months, has it? Uh, so <laughs> that's going to be coming next Tuesday for Saturday Live every Saturday. Central's maybe on a Thursday, but Russ hasn't been around a couple of weeks, the lazy bastard. You, know, you can't blame <laughs> it on not. You can't blame it on being holiday Russ anyway. <laughs> so we got a lot of stuff happening. Uh, we got Aye, the back you get that lazy cunt dealt. Start doing shows again. <laughs> <laughs> we got all that. We got quiz showdown. We're trying to arrange a recording date for that, but that'll be back in November. And you know everything else you can keep up with on all good Android podcasts. It's with the Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you choose to get your podcasts. With a like, rating, or review on your chosen platform, and keep up with us at Suplex Retweet, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Suplex Retweet. And join our Facebook community page. You can join the conversation, join the Lister's League, get slagged off, have a conversation, all that good stuff. But, Grant, it's been another fun episode. And, you know, on to more years of ESR and on to a very busy end of year for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And another year of the Great Okan. All hail. All hail. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown. Sports Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.